You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. War Eagle Auburn family, and welcome back to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion here on the E2C Network. We finally found the time to do it. Yes, we are going to be breaking down the season as a whole for 2021 2020 and 2021 the years ran together let's be honest folks the 20s are just not doing so good for all of us at this point but we're breaking down the season that was in the middle of covid for the auburn men's basketball team we're going to talk about the games the preseason a little bit more about the postseason that we haven't discussed yet all that's going to be included here on this episode and to do that to break it all down i've got my friend and my co-host mr gray oldenburg gray welcome back thank you we got not the most to talk about in the world in terms yeah. of we don't have a postseason to break down. We don't have, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, for a year where the Tigers didn't get to participate in any type of tournament, SEC or otherwise, there was a lot going on in the uh, postseason for Auburn. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's exciting. And it's kind of it's good to, you know, look ahead and, you know, talk about that stuff in the postseason. But, you know, we got to nail what's happened in the past, and we've got to move on. <laughs> Are you telling me you want to put this one to bed? Yes. But this is a year that has Sharif Cooper. This is a year that had the phenom Justin Powell that I know you love hearing his name. Well, <laughs> you know, he's again. It's in the past. We got to let that dude go. <laughs> this is gonna be like pulling teeth for Gray. I can already tell. Uh, but anyway, so what we're gonna do here? We've actually broken down a lot of the postseason stuff already. We were putting this show off because there was so much in motion yeah. roster wise for this program, even without a true uh, postseason tournament or anything like that. So we kind of tried to wait to see how things settled. And I think we've finally gotten to a moment where things might have settled. Of course, I've said that. And tomorrow, when you're hearing this, probably. Absolutely. <laughs> We'll have some more outstanding breaking news. So for those of you that are wanting to hear us break down Desi Steele's Walker Kessler, we're going to do that. You're just going to have to wait a few more minutes into the episode. So let's rewind the tape. Let's go back to before the 2020-21 season started. And I think we have to address this right off because basically it's been everybody's world, whether you're a basketball fan or not. COVID-19 struck the entire world, but especially the sports world. It took away NCAA basketball and March Madness from us in 2020, and we were all worried, were we going to get a season at all with the way things were going in our world? So, Gray, take me back to November, October that time, and season's getting ready to start, or it should be starting. Were you worried? Were you concerned that we were going to be having a full season? Yeah, definitely. I think everybody in the sports world and everybody who was a fan of basketball and kind of saw, you know, the struggles that, you know, the NFL might have had and college football might have had. And it was, you know, it wasn't getting as much better at that time. So it was, you know, of course it worried us, you know, because we want we want college basketball. We want to be able to come on here and talk about the Auburn Tigers men's basketball team. And uh, so, yeah, I, I was I was worried, but, it, you know, it turned out, you know, it turned out pretty well. We did had no COVID cancellations for Auburn, at least. So, yeah, uh, and, and no really COVID troubles. So uh, it's good. We kept everybody safe. We did. the We took the measures that we had to take and hopefully we'll uh, you know, get back to as normal as possible for this next year. 
Yeah, I think H New Day is obviously showing a promise that things are moving back to what we would consider a normal uh, type of atmosphere for sports um, as time goes on. And I, I do have to say that I'm proud of the way that the Auburn Tigers, especially, were able to handle things. That doesn't necessarily mean that those teams and those individuals on those teams that were having to deal with some COVID-19 stuff weren't doing their best possible, uh, but it just means sometimes you're a little bit unlucky. And there were some teams in the SEC that were ravaged by it. South Carolina is one of them. Uh, I think Florida had some problems too, but they also had a big scary injury for one of their star yeah. players that kind of rocked their world too. Um, there, there were several teams throughout the nation, but especially the SEC that had a few troubles with that. Uh, thankfully, Auburn didn't have that because they had plenty of other troubles that happened throughout this season. Uh, it could have just been one bit of icing on the cake for what was a very entertaining and uh, somewhat perplexing, but also just overall interesting season for the Auburn Tigers. So, you know, I think the big story for this is obviously they Auburn's were gypped out of participating in the 2020 NCAA tournament as everyone was. And there was a lot of people that thought that Auburn was on a trajectory at the end of that season to potentially make some noise again in the NCAA tournament. This team returns not a lot of these starters, but was bringing in a lot of talent, a JT Thor, potentially a Sharif Cooper. There was a lot of buzz about, uh, you know, Justin Powell as well. And we hadn't even seen that really come to fruition until a couple of games into the season. Um, so, you know, when you looked at this team, what did you think about them at the start of the season? Were you feeling like this was before we got a particular announcement? So keep that in mind. But were you okay. thinking this was a NCAA tournament team at least? Did you think they were a Sweet 16 team? What was your perspective of the team? Yeah, I, I kind of thought they'd be an NCAA tournament team. You know, just, you know, they had talent. They brought back, you know, some experience from the past year and brought back a lot of, you know, freshmen who were coming into their sophomore year this past year. And, you know, we're improving and they brought in the highest rated recruit in program history at the time and you know, brought in some other talent around him. And, uh, you know, I thought you know, I did think this team was going to be a tournament team and especially with the coaching and, you know, we didn't really know what other teams in the SEC were going to look like. But, um, you know, I didn't, you know, then we got the news. Yes, the news. Well, lots of different news. The first thing, there were rumors starting to circulate. Uh, There were then substantiated rumors that Sharif Cooper was going to be ineligible, at least for part of the season. Uh, and he was not going to be able to start right off, which put Auburn in a bit of a bind because they didn't really have a point guard outside of Tyrell Turbo Jones. And, you know, I was actually really excited for him to finally get a chance to prove himself. I will say, based on how things went for him and how his playing time dwindled, it didn't work out so well. Uh, but at least we know that he was given a fair chance and opportunity to make that happen. Um, but Sharif Cooper did not play until the at least, I think it was like, what was it, Gray? Like two games into SEC play or something like that? Yeah, it was the Alabama game. Oh, that's right. SEC I forgot about that. That was the Alabama game. Uh, but yeah, so Sharif Cooper ineligible, and it seemed like, as it typically does, the NCAA was dragging its feet. Absolutely. And being very, very frustrating. Did we ever get heads or tails on what their deal was? What about that? No. No, but all of a sudden, you know, the, I think that week of the Alabama game, you know, we started hearing rumors of, you know, Cooper's able to practice again. He's, he's you know, working out with the team again. He's he's sitting, you know, on the sidelines again. Um, and I think we kind of, you kind of start to 
hear rumors that he would, you know, be able to play or, you know, maybe down the line he would be able to play. And then the day of the Alabama game, we heard the news that Sharif Cooper will start tonight. And it was big. It was, it was, it was huge. I mean, a guy of that, you know, stature of, of talent that you're bringing in and the impact on the game that he made from, from not just the Alabama game, but for the rest of the season, when he was on the floor, it was so, it was so different. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing too, when you hear somebody that's so highly touted and a lot of expectations for them uh, to be sitting there and just wondering what if, what if, but when you see him actually get on the floor and see what he does, yeah. that was like, wow. Like then you really start asking the question, what if, then you really start asking the question, well, if this player got to play with this player and that player, what if, yeah. I mean, that really is going to be the season. And we thought we said, we're going to say that a lot and we probably should still, about the 2020 uh, tournament that was taken away from us and everybody else, because we will wonder what happened for Javon McCormick and Austin Wiley's last year. Yeah. You know, they we probably would have seen a nice little run in the NCAA tournament, but we'll ask even more, what if Sharif Cooper had had a full season? What yeah. if Justin Powell was his shooting guard? What if this injury, What you know, there, there's so many unknowns here, and I think that's what is frustrating about this season because there were so many potential things that could have happened out there. This was an Auburn team that just for whatever reason, couldn't get things to align right for them at times. Speaking of <laughs> not shortly after the announcement that uh, Shreve Cooper would not be participating at least the start of the season. We also just like, I felt like it was a week maybe before the yeah. season started. We got the announcement that Auburn had declared itself ineligible for the postseason. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This was dating back to rec- violations in relation yeah. to the Chuck, Chuck person, person scandal. Um, this doesn't seem like that's ever going to get rid of it, does it? No. Oh, we thought it was done before, and I, th- I think this was the last, you know, straw of you know we'll just you know, we'll declare it so that way. The NCAA can get off our tails, maybe, even though that will never happen. Um, you know, you would like to say this is the last of it and the last time we'll have trouble with that incident of Chuck Person and all all that. That was, you know, well, about five years, five, four or five years back. Um, hopefully we're done with that. Hopefully that's in the past. So do you truly think that we're done with the, at least the Chuck Person issues? I think Auburn is done with it. I can't speak for the NCAA because <laughs> I don't think anybody can speak for the NCAA. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely one of the more befuddling organizations out there in many aspects, but the, just the way they, it, here's the thing too, is, you know, it's one thing for the Auburn fan base to be, you know, moaning and groaning about Sharif Cooper and them not giving an answer on that. Why, you know, we're having to do this, you know, postseason ineligibility thing. But when there are commentators on the national level, declaring you need to give Auburn an answer about Sharif Cooper. And that's about the time that they finally gave him an answer is when they were getting national pushback on that, because there were commentators that wanted to see this dude play. And I'm sure there were probably NBA scouts and coaches wanting to see him play to see if he was worth taking a shot at, which we will find out in the near future. Uh, But yeah, so ineligible to participate in the sec tournament in the postseason tournament in, in any fashion. And, you know, the interesting thing is with this, it almost made the, for me, the regular season more important because there was kind of this feeling, at least for me out there, that if you just do enough, you're going to get into the tournaments and then you can really, you know, crank it up a notch as Auburn has been known to do of late. 
Um, but for me, it almost put a necessity. It's like you better make every game count in the re- in the regular season because that's all you got. Yeah. Um, and I was hopeful for what that might do for some of our players there, kind of drive them and push them forward. So no postseason for the Auburn Tigers. And with that, let's take a look at the regular season. We'll start off and we'll do it by non-conference and then talk a bit, a little bit about SEC play. We won't go game by game, but I thought it would be appropriate for us to talk about a few things that uh, stuck out to us. Auburn, all in all, uh, gets out of non-conference play, including the Baylor game later on in the season in the Big 12 SEC Challenge with only three losses. Those losses were to Gonzaga, Baylor, and then surprisingly to UCF. So, Gray, when I pitch this over to you and tell me what stuck out to you in the non-conference portion of the season, what was that? Well, I, I think it was the stretch that we took after the UCF loss. You know, we come in and we went, I forgot where we were at at the um, – in that tournament in the preseason or uh, at the start of the year where we played St. Joseph, won an overtime game. Joe Williams looked great and lost to Gonzaga. We got, you know, ran into a buzzsaw in Gonzaga. And then we go down to UCF and struggle and really, really struggle. And now you're one and two and it's like, okay, Cooper's not back. Well, you know, what are, what are we going to do? And then we go on a, I believe a five game win streak or six game, five or six game win streak of, you know, not beating, you know, bad team or beating Memphis and Troy and Appalachia State, all really good teams. Um, you know, that, that that stretch right there when, you know, there was no Cooper, you know, there was, you know, the emergence of Justin Powell and that, that stretch right there really took this team to the next level before the, you know, eventual hard, hard start to conference play. Yeah, and remember, this is a little bit of an altered non-conference, too, because they took away the Orlando Invitational, which I was hoping to go down to, which was going to host still Gonzaga and teams like that. It was going to be an outstanding tournament, and I was very excited to go down to the mad, most magical place on Earth, the Walt Disney World, and uh, take that in. But uh, sadly, that didn't happen. Instead, it was shifted over to the Fort, My- uh, Fort Myers tip-off, Myers, which is where St. Joe's and Auburn met up, Gonzaga and Auburn met up. Uh, and uh, we got all we could handle out of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Uh, they looked every bit early on and maintained the rest of the season, the number one team in the nation, uh, only eventually to be outdone by the number two team, Baylor, overall. So I want your it's, – it's it's hard to say it right now without being probably a little bit skewed one way because of the results of the championship game. But at the time, after we saw – Gonzaga and Baylor, who did you truly think was the number one team based on how they performed against Auburn? Based on how they performed against Auburn, I'm going to say Gonzaga because, I mean, like we we played really well in that Gonzaga game. We played probably better than we did in the St. Joseph game, which we won. But Gonzaga just looked just flat out spectacular. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, Auburn's defense, we also had Shreve Cooper in the Baylor game. And that was away from, you know, that wasn't at a neutral site. That was at, you know, in Waco. So, and, you know, you know, we had chances to, you know, maybe come away with a win that game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, only losing by 12, but you, know, you go and lose by, by 23 to Gonzaga early in the year. And then you lose to UCF. And now it's like scramble mode. Uh, Gonzaga, I would have gone, I would say Gonzaga, but now obviously we know from the result of the championship, it, it was Baylor. Yeah. I remember after the game, I, I looked at someone, I said, I know we just got our butts whooped by Gonzaga earlier in the season. That's the best team in college basketball. Absolutely. 
and you know, sure it becomes because they faced against Sharif Cooper and did a good job of, of putting him in check. I mean, if you look at just kind of the leaders, Jalen Williams was the leading scorer with 17 points, whereas Cooper had led the way a lot of the season he had been there. You know, there was a time where he was scoring 28, 25, 28, 26 points per game, and he's not even in the top scoring realm there. And Jalen Williams is your top scorer overall. Uh, so I do think Baylor obviously you know, worked out the way I thought it would. Um, but uh, those were two very good teams, and it just it, it's nice to see Auburn playing the top teams out there, and and not yeah. just for the sake of getting beat up on, but to go and try to make a statement. Um, I don't know what statement was made this season, <laughs> but uh, it was nice to see us in competition with them. The most frustrating thing for me was that UCF loss because this is a time where Auburn, you know, it's clear that Sharif Cooper's not coming back anytime soon uh, to start off and be the point guard. So Auburn and Tyrell was not working out at point guard. So Auburn was really kind of left in the situation where what do you do? Well, again, this is painful to talk about because he just decided to, for some reason, go to Tennessee. But Justin Powell burst onto the scene and just starts lighting it up as the point guard. 26 points after that UCF game against South Alabama, against Memphis. I mean, he was just outstanding, and he that's not even his true position. And there were people that were already putting him in the – I think he was in the second-round projector, correct me if I'm wrong, in the early part of the season because there was a moment where it was Alan Flanagan, Justin Powell, and JT Thor all predicted to go in the um, NBA draft early on the season, if I, if I, if I have that information correct. Um, so I know it stings, but what did you think about Justin Powell early on? Early on, he was fantastic. I mean, he, he was, you know, he he was the point guard that we that we needed without, you know, with Tyrell not working out and Cooper's not back yet. He was the guy that needed to burst onto the scene as the point guard because, you know, at the time, Flanagan hasn't really developed that part of his game, you know, kind of bringing the ball down the floor and getting the offense set up. And Powell took on that role of, of doing that, and he played fantastic. Mm-hmm. through that stretch and it i mean the winch came from it it showed it showed through the box score and it showed through the w column um it was it was great it was do you miss him no <laughs> <laughs> well sadly we uh didn't get to see him uh for much longer after his short stint in non-conference in the beginning of conference play uh, I forget which game exactly it was, but he suffered what was a very surprising was game. Was the A&M game? I, yeah. I matched up about right where I thought it was. Um, he uh, suffered a concussion in the game and for the rest of the season sat out, didn't even sit on the bench for a lot of time. You know, late in the season, there were a lot of speculation about was it something much further than that at that point. Uh, from most credible, what I would consider credible sources, it really all just ran back to this um, – this concussion and how much trouble he was having kind of dealing with the headaches and stuff that come from that. You talked a lot about that a lot with your experience with concussions and said that it can just really just change the way you can even like be around noise and sound and stuff like that, whatever the reason. uh, But it didn't work out for ultimately Justin to stick around and he's chosen to go to an sec rival in Tennessee. So we will see you again, sir. And we will return the favor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But let's talk about conference play. Obviously, we're in a a very sad point to start off. Four-game losing streak. You lose Justin Powell. No hope in sight because there's no point guard out there. Turbo's gone at this point. Alan Flanagan's being inserted into the role. 
and and honestly not doing that great at it just because it's not his traditional role. And then one Sharif Cooper comes in in his debut and scores 26 points. Be honest with me. Did you think it was a fluke that first night? No. I thought no, it was I, a fluke. I, I, I didn't. I, I really didn't just because of the way he was playing because it wasn't like he got super hot from three, you know, or or is making stuff that didn't make any sense. You know, he was driving right by these Alabama guards that, you know, they had their big run in the tournament this year. Um, he was driving right by him and finishing and he was making these you know spectacular passes. And it was like, well, okay, then like we found our little point guard here. Um, <laughs> you know, we ended up only losing that game by four. I, I still think about that game and think we really should have won that game because we were, I think we were the better team on that day. Uh, even without Justin Powell and the way Cooper was playing, uh, you know, really elevated everybody else, including Thor and Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan got back into his natural role. And uh, even Jamal Johnson, guys like that, they, you know, got, they got their point guard back that they practiced with all summer and all fall. And it showed, it showed. Yeah. And we started picking up wins, you know, got a big win over Georgia and then Kentucky you know, only two point loss to Arkansas, big win over South Carolina, and then that win against Missouri. It was probably the game of the year. Um, and Cooper, I mean, my goodness, he had twenty eight, eight and eight, eight and seven that game. That leads he's, the is a you know leads the entire column. Impact. Yes, you really got a feel for you know what type of player was. If there was any doubt at that point, uh, he made his case known there. In that Missouri upset, which at the time looked really good for Auburn because Missouri, you know, was kind of viewed as at one point the dark horses to win the whole SEC. And they really fell off at the end there. Uh, but they were still a decent team. So it was even, you know, hindsight. It's it's fine to go back and look and say that was a good win for Auburn. And honestly, I think you I'm glad you brought it up. I think it is the best stretch of the season for Auburn in terms of quality and quantity. They only lose, like you said, to Arkansas, who was the best team in the SEC. I think that was proven by the NCAA tournament um, results and how teams fared there. Only two on the road and then four wins smashed within that. Um, so this is probably the high point there. The problem is, is you ran into the buzzsaw of Baylor, the yeah. last non-conference game, and it really just kind of seemed to spiral out of control a little bit for Auburn at this point. I mean, they lose every game, I think, for the next seven games. I'm doing math really quick. Uh, at next Vanderbilt. eight games or something like that, except for Vanderbilt, which, come on, it's Vanderbilt, the worst yeah. entire you know, thing uh, in the SEC. Uh, don't get me started. I'm not going to go on that rant. There's the postponed Mississippi State game, and it is just probably the worst stretch that Auburn has had in a season in quite some time under Bruce Pearl because of Sharif Cooper gets hurt during all this, I believe. Uh, you know, there's a, there's just a lot going on that's frustrating people. There's questions about Justin Powell. Uh, so where was your mindset in the middle of all of this? Were you panicking? Were you just kind of chalking it up to just it's one of those years? How were you feeling? Yeah, I think it was kind of, I, I think I started, I don't know, I don't know if panicking is the right word, but I guess kind of saying it was just going to be one of those years when Devontae Shuler made the buzzer beater against us uh, at, at Auburn in overtime to beat us, um, to give us our third straight loss after, you know, coming off of Baylor and Georgia. And then we go to Vanderbilt and, you know, things start to look a little better, but, you know, that Vanderbilt team, you should not beat them by six. Mm -hmm. You should beat them by 26. 
And then, <laughs> and then you had the Kentucky game at Kentucky, and you know it's it's hard to win in Lexington, no matter. It's a heartbreaker there too. Yeah. yeah, and you should have won that game as well. And then you had the postponement of Mississippi State, and it was like, dang, that was that was our build up win. You know, we needed we needed that right there. And then you go to LSU and get you know destroyed, and you yep. get Florida and get destroyed, and then you then you're like, okay. Now we've got two ranked teams left on our schedule, and Mississippi State is going to try and get rescheduled. Uh, and we're sitting at what eleven and thirteen, you know, five and ten of the conference, and Cooper's hurt, and it's like, yikes. Yeah, it's definitely was probably the lowest point for Auburn fans. And of course, every year, no matter what, you get these certain fans that are calling for somebody to be fired because they can't handle a little bit of adversity. Yes, you know who you are, uh, but you know. I think most of us sat back and realized, well, look, you know, it's not like we're giving up on the season, but we understand the, you know, the context of this thing, yeah. you know, there's injuries involved. There's, you know, eligibility issues involved. There's COVID-19 involved. It just was not a recipe where many teams could have success uh, with what Auburn had to sustain this year with what they were dealing with. The lack of a point guard outside of Sharif Cooper and Justin Powell, which never got to play together. Um, there was, you know, a shining light at the end of all this. For whatever reason, Bruce Pearl just loves to beat Tennessee. They go uh, into Auburn Arena, number 25 Tennessee at the time, and get a solid 77-72 to 72 win. I mean, if there was ever – here, I'm going to make a joke. It's probably in poor taste, but I hope everybody will just take a breath for a second and just realize this is all in fun. <laughs> if ever there was a vaccine we needed, it was the Tennessee win. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. <laughs> probably just offended somebody there, but – Sorry, get over it. But anyway, okay, that was just me being rude. Uh, the Tennessee win was definitely, uh, you know, obviously something that was very much needed here. What does Bruce Pearl do? To t- like, is it just that he has still this angst towards them, uh, that he just has this drive to beat them? What do you think? I, maybe. Maybe. I, I kind of hope so because it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. <laughs> Which is what, again, Justin, why would you go to Tennessee? You're just going to lose to Bruce Pearl. Why? Doesn't make sense, man. I just, oh, I just. But you're right. That Tennessee game is what we needed because you, you, you see, if we, we lose that game, that's going to be six straight losses because you get, you know, go to Bama and you're not going to win that. And then you're like, well, we need this Mississippi State win because, because we just need something for the end of the year because we'll, that's like six in a row. They're, losses after the vanderbilt win and before that you had three losses so mm-hmm. it was just spiral down downward spiral and that tennessee win helped it, it helped not really the it didn't do anything for the season it didn't really do anything to tennessee um but it 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 really helped the kind of the kind of the moral of the rest of the year hey auburn fans i want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, 
exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. What would have been a punctuation mark, and the problem was you had to go play number eight Alabama in Tuscaloosa. They were celebrating the Iron Bowl win too, and it resulted about how you thought it would with Alabama surging at that point of the season, thinking they were just the world beaters. Hope y'all are enjoying those sweet 16 wings, by the way, <laughs> uh, 70 to 58 though, they get the win over the Auburn Tigers. And we thought that was the end of the season, but luckily we got Mississippi state to uh, reschedule and we got a uh, game in Auburn arena. And, you know, I know it's, I don't want to talk about moral victories and stuff like that, but there, there was just something that was almost, serendipitous about the fact that we got to reschedule that and get the win. It kind of put everything to bed uh, for everybody there, you know, Flanagan for all his struggles that he had coming in to try to fill the point guard role, which he was not suited for. And I think he would say that as well. He is best suited as a two, Um, you know, he gets the leading score that night, 22, you know, outside of that, Auburn finishes this game and, you know, there's a lot of, questions out there uh, which we'll address in just a second but that's how your season ends for the Auburn Tigers 13 of 14 just one shy of a 500 year you know if a ball bounces differently here or there this is more than a 500 win team we beat Ole Miss if a ball bounces differently if you you know a ball a basket goes in or you make a few more free throws against Kentucky you know it's there there are there are several Arkansas you know that's the thing here Alabama yeah all kinds of games you can point out here where Auburn was in position to win and had things just happen just slightly different. Auburn done a few things better. They would have gotten probably a much better record. And in a year where postseason might've been an option, you might've seen this team had they made a decent run in the sec tournament might be on the bubble. uh, Even as even with some of the struggles they might have had at the end of this. So all in all, what is your takeaway from the season that is 2020, 21? Um, yeah, you know, it's, I guess it's, I guess, you know, later on when we're, you know, after we win, you know, from the next five national championships, of course, you know, we're going to look back at this, this past year and we're going to be, you know, of course, we're going to think about Powell, you know, we're going to think about Sharif. And we're going to think about, you know, Flanagan coming on as well as he did and, and Devin Cambridge having those nights and Jamal Johnson and JT Thor, uh, JT Thor, all, all these guys. I think it's about the personnel that the, uh, that we had on this team. Um, I think it's, a I think it, you know, as much as people probably don't want to hear this, it's, it's as good as a build year as you can get, especially for those sophomores who are going to be juniors next year. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, as bad as, you know, that year kind of spiraled down, you know, especially in conference play, you know, we were, we weren't the worst, but we're building. Can I give everybody a consolation prize? You beat Kentucky in, in all in the categories that matter. You beat them one time this season. They're nine and 16 on the year. Uh, they missed the uh, 
po- the NCAA tournament, yeah. as, as do many of the Blue Bloods this year. Just a weird year all the way around. Yeah. Um, and Auburn's one of the Blue Bloods, I guess. So, you know, <laughs> I guess it fits the narrative. Uh, but uh, obviously it was a, in some ways, unfortunate year, in some ways, uh, very at times demoralizing, but there were a lot of things that happened. And I, and I guess it would be remiss if we don't kind of like close out our discussion with this way. How do you process and like when questions come up, how do you rank Sharif Cooper in terms of his time at Auburn? Because it was show, so short. Yeah. Like how, how do you even begin that conversation? Because you cannot deny his talent and his ability. And, and I think we'll see that on the next stage, but I don't know how to do that. Do you? No, especially right now. I think it's, I think it's hard to you know, relate him to some of these former guards that uh, Bruce Pearl has had, like McCormick and Harper and Kareem Canty and those guys, because he didn't play a whole year. And most, some of those guys played more than a year. And some of those guys, you know, got to go to the postseason and made runs in the postseason. Uh, so it, it, it's hard. It, it's going to be it's difficult right now. But I think later down the line, we'll be able to kind of make that comparison because we're going to see the impact that he's going to have at the next level and kind of show what impact he makes at the best at the next level, not just for him and for the team where he goes to, but also for Auburn and for recruiting stuff and for you know him coming back and because all these all these players come back and or, or watch the old games or watch the games and so. I think it'll have a big impact. I think it'll have an impact like these, you know, really great Bruce Pearl guards have had. Um, but yeah, he didn't really do, do it on the floor as much, not because of his talent or impact, but because of his opportunities he got. I think the way I like to look at it is this. And obviously I agree with you. It'll take some time to really put that in perspective. I even had a conversation with someone, maybe it was on the YouTube lives about comparing where he fits in with guards and stuff. I think there's no denying that he's easily in top five point guards that's ever had. That's not a question, but you know, it's hard to look at the body of work of a Jared Harper versus the body of work of a Sharif Cooper and say that Jared Harper is not a better option there. Uh, You know, that that's a hard right now comparison to even try to make because Jared Harper was so good with so little acknowledgement to start off with of how good he was um, and what he did with the opportunity that was afforded him. Uh, but we'll have that later on the line. But the way I like to look at it is this, you know, if Chumo Kiki was the beginning of something and, you know, kind of started a trend, mm-hmm. uh, you know, two times in a row with Okoro, and I'm talking about people getting drafted mm-hmm. in the NBA draft high up there, um, that becomes something that's, you know, some people probably say, well, it's just luck. They got two. when Sharif Cooper does it. That's that's reality. That's not a trend. That's not luck. That's not a fluke. So if anything else, Sharif Cooper solidifies that this turnaround for Auburn under Bruce Pearl is no fluke, is no one and done. It is a reality. And so if that's the legacy of Sharif Cooper, I'm good with it. Um, But that's a nice way to tie the bow up there. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have done some other already postseason shows where we just needed to go ahead and talk about transfers in transferred out. We've mentioned a few of those throughout the show tonight, but if you want to listen to more of those discussed in detail, you can go back a few episodes in our archive and check out some of those, whether it be about Wendell green coming in, uh, Zep Jesper, um, you know, Justin Powell leaving. We even kind of started talking about some rumors that have become reality. Let's talk about one of those right now because literally broke the internet's, for a little while there. I forget what night it was, but 
Auburn gets Walker Kessler from UNC. Your reactions, your thoughts on this edition. Did you expect it? What, like, where are you at on this? The first transfer episode that we had, you know, we were discussing, you know, the Zeb Jasper and then the transfers out, you know, Jamal Johnson transferred out and Javon Franklin and Turbo and all those guys. And we were also talking about Cooper. And then we were like, well, let's, you know, think about, you know, other transfers that are out and just randomly are out on the market right now. And, you know, we brought up Walker Kessler and I was like, there's no way, no shot. He's either going to Gonzaga or he's going back to North Carolina. And that was his, that was kind of the premise of what we saw from him, you know, throughout most of the time he was in the portal. <laughs> All of a sudden we get this major push from Auburn and people are like, Hey, listen, he's going to Auburn. It's Auburn or he's going back to North Carolina. And then Roy Williams retired and Hubert Davis was named their head coach. And Hubert made a big push for Kessler. And I think um, nearly got him to come back, but man, oh man, Walker Kessler, the seven, one center who can shoot. He can protect the rim. He can run the floor and post up and do everything. Former five-star is coming to this Auburn basketball team. I mean, man, oh my goodness. So let me ask you this. Auburn's had a lot of seven plus foot centers that have come through their program in the past and some here now. And, you know, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that sometimes the hype is a little bit more than what the reality came to be. Um, I think that's a fair statement. I think Austin Wiley is the only one that kind of lived up to that height. And even he kind of had some moments. Some of that was due to eligibility and injury issues, to be fair. Um, But I I think he ended his career on a very strong note and how dominant he was in the SEC. Is Walker Kessler going to be the guy that finally comes in as a true center for Auburn and just makes a name for him? Do you, do you feel that this is the time? Yes. So you're saying starter day one. Yes. I think, I think, I think he was promised a starting spot. And I think that's why he's here because I think Carolina also offered him a starting spot with all the uh, stuff that's going on at North Carolina. But I mean, this guy, he was, he's higher rated than Sharif Cooper in that class. So now you're talking about Cooper is now the third highest rated recruit in less than a year, in less than a year. He's already at the third highest rated recruit. This guy was Mr. Basketball in the state of Georgia. We're going to have our front court is going to have back to back number one players out of the state of Georgia. Mm. Oh my goodness. My goodness. So, I mean, Walker Kessler, Kessler did not average a bunch of points, average a bunch of rebounds or a bunch of blocks in North Carolina. It's because he was playing under guys like Garrison Brooks, Armando Bacot, and Dayron Sharp. All of them were ahead of Kessler in that uh, last year of the Roy Williams era. And but you go look at Kessler when he was in, when he was given the moments and the minutes and the impact that he had in his advanced. It's absurd. It is absolutely crazy. He's, I mean, talk about potential. This guy's got potential to be an all SEC type player. This guy's got potential to be an NBA player for a long time because, you know, he's not a back to the basket, you know, center like like Austin Wiley was. He is a, he's a do-it-all. He's a great passer. He's a, he's a great shooter. He's got a beautiful shot, beautiful mid-range. He can run the floor. He's 7-1. He's long. He's a fantastic you know, rim protector. He had a game in the ACC tournament this year when, you know, North Carolina wasn't you know, playing out of their minds because all the Blue Buds really weren't, including Auburn. Mm-hmm. It, it, 
he stepped in and made such an impact. He had 20 minutes. He had 16 points, 12 rebounds, and eight blocks. Bloke broke the freshman record in the ACC tournament for eight blocks. It just shows you the kind of impact he can have on both sides of the floor. Really, really excited about this guy. Do you think that he will be utilized alongside Jalen Williams? Now, Jalen's shorter than him, and he's he's a different style of front court man. But do you think this is a situation where they're utilized together or as in kind of a a package or a situational yeah. thing? Uh, I, I think you kind of got to wait and see, you know, especially on scouting other teams because, you know, that's that's something that, you know, we made, you know, with the talent in the front court, especially if a guy like JT Thor comes back, you got Kessler, you got Jabari, and you got Jalen Williams, you've got uh, Dylan Carwell and Stretch, and you got Chris Moore kind of as a forward. And then if Thor, you got Thor. And then so with that talent, I mean, it's a great problem to have because I think you got three starting spots out of those guys. Yeah. And Jabari and Kessler have to be two of them. So, and I would argue that Jalen Williams has earned his keep as a starter. I agree. Too. I agree, especially with the way he improved so much this year. If he improves that much, you know, next year, how do you not start him? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a great problem to have. You know, the the lineup projections, especially if Thor comes back, you're looking at a tall, tall team um, and a very long team. If that, uh, it's a good it's, problem. It's, it's a great problem to have. I just looked very quickly, and I'm doing some very quick math. So forgive me if this is a little off, but I think it's six games that Williams led us in scoring, and that's with some of those are with Sheree Cooper in the lineup. Yeah. Some of, most of those are without, uh, to be honest. Uh, but um, I think if you think that Jalen Williams is not in the running to be a starter, even with Jabari Smith, even the Walker Kessler. I think you're discrediting how valued Bruce Pearl is for him. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how this thing shakes out. We talked a lot about maybe next year Auburn runs a platoon system, but this was before Sharif Cooper decided to leave, JT Thor. You know, before all these players were leaving, we were talking about a platoon system. Yeah. I thought that was not going to be reality. Now I think it is again. And it really hinges upon how this front, uh, excuse me, backcourt shapes up with the point guard situation and shooting guard. Yeah. Um, We'll see. Um, Auburn has the potential to be very, very deadly and very, very deep, only enhanced by the recent addition of Desi Sills from, my goodness, Arkansas. I mean, one of the best teams in the SEC. I mean, he just gave us fits all season. Never saw this coming. I think I was only shocked more by Walker Kessler deciding to come to Auburn because it just wasn't a position that we necessarily needed to have filled, but I will take it. (laughs) <laughs> Desi Seals, you know, needed we needed his position filled. We needed yeah. a another combo guard. I would have liked to have gotten another true point guard so that yeah. we could have two of those battling it out. But he's got a little bit of that in his background, not at the collegiate level, but at the high school level. But it sounds from what a lot of people are talking like he'll be a nice third option behind yeah. Zepp Jesper and, um, and and Wendell Green, who are going to be. Uh, Duking that out to see who's probably going to be the starting point guard yeah. this season. So your reaction is loud about this addition for Auburn at oh, guard. That's great. It's, I mean, it's great. Desi Sills is a he is a combo guard. He's he's more he's a lefty. He's more of a driver. You know, he can he can knock down outside shots. But he, you know, that's what he did. He drove. You know, we talked a lot about in the 
after the Arkansas game where they came and dropped 97 on us in Auburn Arena, it was straight line drive, straight line drive, straight line drive. He's a fantastic free throw shooter. He's experienced at the SEC level, which obviously is, you know, huge to get a guard that's experienced at the SEC level. You know, we were trying to get Xavier Pinson, then he went to LSU. You know, the big value on that is he's got experience at starting, starting at guard at the SEC level, and that's what is so valuable. You've seen three guards, you know, do that with Pinson, Sills, and Powell leave with starting SEC experience. So I, it's a great it's a great pickup. I think he kind of fits in that two guard range. And depending on where you put Flanagan, if you put Flanagan at the three or the two, you know, you, I think you could kind of fit him at both. Um, and then Trey Alexander's fit in right behind him. It's, it's another great problem to have. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I would like for our depth at guard to be a, just one extra player full. Um, personally, there is an open spot still, and that appears to be JT Thors. He is still, you know, considering the NBA draft. He still, as far as we know, has his eligibility, which he announced he would try to keep uh, for as long as he could without signing an agent and everything that entails with that. So most people are assuming that that is his spot to keep. Um, it kind of make, begs the question if he decides not to come back, who fills that role? Is it another guard? Does someone reclassify? Um, and come up there's some speculation about that overall uh, but you and I were talking pre-show mate you think there might be an opportunity just to leave that spot open to have a little yeah. bit of a uh, extra room for people coming in yeah I, I think that's a good thing to have you know we see that in the NFL and NBA a lot you know, you know not all the time do they go to the 53-man roster or the, the 15-man roster in the NBA because because they kind of want to have that extra you know, eligibility available. I have that extra scholarship available in case so like somebody goes down midseason or we get an eligibility issue, they can go get somebody right then at the position that is needed. So, and that was the problem that we had last year. You know, we had every scholarship full. So, and we were playing guys like Lore Behrman, which nothing against Lore Behrman, he doesn't. He doesn't probably shouldn't be on the floor in an SEC battle. To his credit, though, he in terms of walk-ons now turned scholarship players that have seen floor time in recent years. He seemed the most capable out there. I agree. I, I I'm going to second that. You know, there was. A, I remember. I think we even talked about it on the show. It's like you know what? I I didn't even catch up when I saw him out there like two or three games in a row. I was like, oh okay, it's, he just needs to come in and give somebody minutes. Like it wasn't me. Like oh oh, what's wrong? Why is he? In? Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So there's a spot eligible. It seems like it's JT Thor's. Thor's. Does he want it? We'll find out. Uh, and that's all we can, you know, we can only operate off of what we have. So with that in mind, as I love to do to my co-host, sometimes I'm going to make you right now on the spot, pick your starting five with based only on what you know, who is here right now. So I have to remove JT Thor, but who is your starting five? Okay. I'm going to go with Wendell green at the one. I think he is, I think he is a Jared Harper, uh, clone. You know, Bruce Pearl really sees Harper in him or a Kareem Canty clone. Um, I think, you know, I think Jasper's experience could, you know, win that. And that, you know, I'd be perfectly fine with that as well. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Green at the one. Um, at the two, I'm going to go with Desi Sills. I think we go small. I think with Thor, it's a little different because, you know, Flanagan's got to be on the full. Mm-hmm. 
So I think it's a little little different with Thor. You know, not we don't know what Thor's doing right now. Right now he's in the draft. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go with Sills of the two and Flanagan at the three. That puts Flanagan back in his natural position. You know, he played and we saw it this year. The improvement from last year to this year, this past year, was incredible for Alan Flanagan at that position. You know, he struggled when he got into the point guard position, but that's not the position he plays. Um, so give me give me Flanagan at the three, and give me Jabari the number one power forward in the country this past year. I mean, Mr. Georgia's, you know, Mr. Basketball in Georgia. I mean, dude's, dude's got to start. And give me Kessler at the five. Uh, so that's got Jalen Williams coming off the bench. And that, that blows my mind. It's also got Devin Cambridge and Trey Alexander and Zepp Jasper and any, anybody else coming off the bench. And the, depth of this team is going to be incredible, especially if that last spot is filled with JT. So again, yeah, operating off of the assumption that JT is not here. Um, I'm going to disagree with you just slightly. Okay. I do agree with Wendell Green, um, although I think it's just as equally likely that Zepp could could pull yeah. that off. And I, honestly, I think the lineup hinges upon who is going to be the point guard, because I think that would change my assumption. But I'm going to assume for now Wendell is going to be the point guard. I think you've got to put Sills in there at that spot or some combination, you know, I think Alan Flanagan too has got to be in there uh, for a smaller type of lineup. Um, I got to think that Jabari Smith's going to start. I just do. Um, You don't recruit a guy like that and not start him. Same kind of thing for a transfer situation for Walker Kessler. However, I do think that he will start by the end of the year. And I know that I'm putting him, I'm putting someone in position, but I'm not going to say Walker Kessler does not start okay. the year. I'm going to say Jalen Williams does, and we go with a smaller type of lineup. Um, Bruce Pearl traditionally likes that type of lineup. Um, that's where he's been most successful at Auburn. Uh, you know, we've played for several years with no one above six foot eight, it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> and still, we're pretty good. Um, so, I do think that Jalen Williams, uh, people get upset for some reason when you talk about seniority and, and some like things that are earned by some players, but I think there's something to that. I don't understand why people get upset by that, but I think if anybody's earned that, Jalen Williams has. Yeah. Um, so I would not be shocked to see Jalen Williams in the starting spot and, and, and either Jabari or Walker not starting to start off the season. But maybe that changes as time goes on to seeing how the team flows together. So here's the no matter what you think about the starting five, there's really not a bad way to go with it. <laughs> I agree. And that's without JT Thor in the mix. Yeah. Well, you had Thor. It, it, it changes. It, oh, I, I, absolutely. I, don't, I, don't really I mean, I can't, to say I can't make a case for Jalen after that point. I'm like, I, I, Jalen, I'm sorry, man, but like it's JT Thor, uh, you know, but right now I do think Jalen Williams is going to have the inside track. As long as he can continue to show his progression, can mm. continue to show, what a leader he is on the floor. I think that's invaluable. And not to say that Walker and Jabari won't be leaders, but I just, that's hard to beat in a team that's had so much transition, so much, you know, in and out the rest of this in season, but all season as well. Um, so I think that's invaluable. And I think Bruce Pearl recognized that. And what was the one thing we talked about a lot this season? No, not no leadership, but there was a trouble of finding who was the yeah. leader on the floor. Jalen Williams my friend is going to be your leader. And I think that's why he potentially starts this season. So there you go. That's the uh, predictions there. Um, yeah, how about one more prediction? Where things stand right now, how far does Auburn go in the tournament next year? Elite eight. 
I will say a, I think anything below a sweet 16 is a disappointment yeah. at this point. Um, so I'm going to just rest there for right now, but I think it's highly likely they could make the elite eight as well. But a uh, sweet 16 should be the expectation. Yeah. So that's where we're at folks. The 2020, 21 season is done. It is over with. We can remove it. You don't ever have to talk about it again, Gray. You will. But <laughs> Sharif Cooper was in it, so we have to talk about it. I guess. But so is Justin Powell. <laughs> Trust me, you'll get to see him again. <laughs> so hopefully it'll be an, a fun reunion for him, and we'll have to show him that he made a mistake mm-hmm. uh, for whatever the reason that he uh, decided to leave us. So where do we go from here with Inside the Jungle? Most of you that have been around our network for the many years we've been doing this know that when we shift into offseason, uh, we don't have a regular schedule, obviously, because there's no games being played or anything like that. But we will try to get an episode at the very late, at least once a month to you. Obviously, there's going to be some big markers coming up here with JT Thor makes his decision, yeah, the, uh, the NBA draft overall, uh, war ready. How about that? You want to talk about some Auburn basketball in the summer? Are you excited about that, Gray? I am. I'm really excited, especially with the squad that they got, man. They've got some Auburn guys. Did you see, I think it was, I'm trying to remember the, who it was. Somebody, One of the Auburn players that's currently on the team was rumoring, had a rumor about some names. Did you see some of those names? I did. Austin Wiley, Mustafa Heron. What do you think about that? That's, there's some good ones. <laughs> some good ones already on that team. And now, they, I'll be honest. Having Mustafa potentially on there and Kareem Canty, they kind of left us a little bit and hurt. But you know, hey, they're Auburn people still. Yes. So we'll be talking a lot about that in the off season. You know, as I'm sure there will be some slow periods, uh, we'll probably do some fun topics. Uh, maybe looking at back at top tens and all that kind of stuff, old games and things like that. We'll come up with some creative stuff. This is yeah. not the end of Inside the Jungle. There's plenty no. more to talk about, just on a less regular basis. Gray, you have been a trooper this season. You came in yeah. mid season. Um, there are fans and listeners that are now are still applauding you because they kept. Um, you know, you, you allowed them to not have to listen to just me yammer on forever, even though I still do that to some degree. Um, but thank you so much for being willing to uh, yeah. step up to the plate and become part of the show. Yeah, this has been, I mean, this is awesome. This is what, this is my dream to just talk about Auburn, Auburn football, Auburn basketball, Auburn, Auburn sports, Auburn in general, and, and just do that in, in such a fun way like this. And, you know, the season wasn't, you know, oh, we wanted it to be, but there's there's brighter things ahead. I can I can guarantee it. Let me just tell you this: you did not start this show like McClint and I did in the very first year of Bruce Pro. You want to talk about a rough year to start with? <laughs> <laughs> and now it ended great with that it's SEC tournament. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll always remember KT Farrell hitting that shot and how Man. we just just gushed about that for probably an hour on one show. Um, but it was a rough year, so you you definitely had a little bit of a better start, albeit a little bit frustrating too. But anyway, thank you. Thank you all to the listeners for sticking with us this season. Stay tuned for more episodes coming up from us probably very, very soon. Get excited. More Auburn basketball is just around the corner. Until we talk to you again, War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we 
believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?